Hello, everyone, and welcome to the inaugural episode of The Layover, at least in its podcast form. What are we doing here? Well, basically, I mean, y'all know from uh, prior seasons that we finished the season by doing a Nebula exclusive after show kind of episode called The Layover. And we kind of just wanted to do that more, but unfortunately I cannot be in New York every single week to record that. And also Toby living in Australia definitely can't be in New York every single week to record that. So instead we decided to do this. She could be there. I'm just saying it is possible. It, it would, could yeah, be done. It's, it's true, theoretically possible. It would not be good for our profit margins, most likely, but you're you're right, Adam, points for accuracy. So basically how this works is every single week while we're in season, the evening after we release an episode of Jetlag on Nebula, we're gonna be getting on a call and basically recording an episode of this for y'all and releasing it the following Saturday. And we're pretty much just gonna be diving a little bit deeper into what happened in the episode, you know, telling y'all some of the stuff that happened behind the scenes, answering some of your questions that we, um, you know, we're, we're going to get these from Discord and Reddit and a few different places, but Reddit is probably the most reliable. So if you have a question, make sure to submit it each week on the Nebula subreddit. And then we're going to release only to you, by the way. This is this is exclusive to you because you're a Nebula subscriber. Well, you and the other 650,000 Nebula subscribers. But, you know, it's in appreciation of the fact that you're supporting us on Nebula. So this will be the first of many times that we thank you for that. And I guess I should introduce everyone else, maybe. I mean, you all, you already know them, unless you're listening to this without watching the show, which would be weird. But basically- I yeah. really hope some people listen to this, that they don't watch the show, but they listen to us recapping the show. I think that'd be great. We're just so entertaining. Statistically, there'll always be someone who does that. You're right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and welcome to you. I want to know who's the first layover the podcast turned jet lag the game fan. There's got to be one. I want to know who it is. But anyways, who do we have with us? Well, we have from Adam and Ben, we have Ben. And then from Ben and Adam, we have Adam. And then from Sam and Toby from Jetlag the Game and other channels, actually. Sorry, that's too much bragging. We have Toby from TB's. Hello, hello. Is that the pronunciation? Is it TB's? I say Tibby's. Tibby's? Oh. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Fake fan. He blew it. He blew it straight away. <laughs> okay. Leave that um, in. Don't re-record it. Yeah, sorry. It's the American accent. It's okay. It's not a real word, so you can't really do it wrong. It's just my childhood nickname and RuneScape username. <laughs> now people are going to find now you there's a fun fact. That's embarrassing. Well, I can't even find myself on RuneScape at this point, so good luck with that. Actually, yeah, you make a good point. I guess people already know TBs is you. I imagine there are some people listening who don't know what Toby's channel is because originally in the first episode, we had a part where Ben explained Toby's channel and then we cut that for pacing. I was sad to see that go. I, I thought that was funny. Me and Ben bonding on the walk up the hill was one of my favorite parts. Blame the algorithm. I had a great time. So let's get into it. So we're going to kind of just walk through the episode and, and um, answer, you know, a lot of y'all's questions as we go. The first question is from Remarkable Twist. And Remarkable Twist asks, what did the days leading up to the start of the game look like? I'm curious how long you had in New Zealand to adjust to the time change, what you did to prepare for filming, etc. We were in New Zealand longer than we had for any other of these games, which just by necessity, it was much further away and, and much bigger of a commitment. But I think the real thing to talk about is that when we showed up in New Zealand, the game was not done. And we were in the hotel ironing it out. Yeah, well, I remember it was a big thing whether or not the plane from Chicago where we connected to Auckland was going to have Wi-Fi because if it didn't, it was going to be really hard to finish the map. <laughs> and maybe backing up a couple steps, what happened even before we got into New Zealand is this was the first season when we needed to have visas for like immigration purposes because we're in a little bit of a weird gray area between normal business traveler as immigration looks at it and like working there because normally if you're like filming a show, you need a visa because you're considered like a step more involved than like a normal business traveler. And we asked the New Zealand film office and they were like, yeah, you need a visa. So we, so we applied for visas with what we thought was plenty of time based on their turnaround like estimates. But I guess we applied like in early December and then there was like the holidays and stuff that slowed things down or something. So it was really down to the wire. I think my visa came through a week before we were supposed to leave. My visa came through, I think, four days before we left. Yeah. yeah. And 
what made that even closer was the fact that my visa, weirdly only mine, but not Ben and Adams, had a required departure date that was sooner than we actually wanted to leave based on our originally booked dates. So we had to move the entire season up by like four or five days. It was like a week. Yeah, I think it was like five days. And that was like 10 or 12 days out. So basically, really close to the start of the season, our lead time got cut in half. And so all three of us got sent into super, super fast scramble mode because we all had a ton to do. You know, Ben and Adam with finishing a lot of like the challenges and the game design. And, and you know, when I go on these things, I have to get ahead on all of my other work for like Wendover and HI and, and all the other channels. So like, yeah, we were incredibly stressed. And that's why there was, I think, work on the plane and stuff. But we finally got there. Yeah. I think I got there. All right, we started on a Sunday. I got there on a Thursday first thing. Y'all got there on a Friday first thing. Toby got there on mm-hmm. Friday afternoon, right? Yes. And then I drove Toby to, where did I drive you, Toby? Sam got to do? come to, you got to come to my Nana's house and meet my Nana and my uncle. That was fun. That was a unexpected detour for you, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, stayed with family that first night. I remember hearing about this and being told that I was probably going to get to meet your Nana and then I didn't. And that was really devastating for me. You actually came to the base of her driveway, but I guess we were already on the road at that point, leaving the next day to go to the start location. So it didn't quite work, but oh, well, that's a shame. I was going to say, um, with the way the dates got moved forwards, like it made everyone a, a little bit more stressed there, but it ended up being a true miracle in the end because we got like the one week of clear weather from like months of storm, which I'll sh- I'm sure we'll hear more about your storm adventures later, Ben and Adam. But, oh, yeah. uh, it, that those yeah. visa dates, by whatever stroke of God from the immigration office, actually saved the series. It was like that's crucial. so true because we we got there like there was a cyclone like a week or two before we arrived, and it had downed a bunch of trees and stuff over the roads and like I think it was the Northlands where we started sort of, so we would have issues yeah. having started any earlier. And as Toby alluded to, we'll definitely have more to say about this in future layover episodes, but. The day that we left ended up being the biggest 24-hour rain event in Auckland's recorded history. So, uh, yeah. We <laughs> Is were that lucky. true? I didn't even oh, know yeah. that that you record yeah. hit. It's like literally record-breaking in recorded history. But anyways, to kind of maybe answer the rest of the question. Yeah, so, so we kind of spent, uh, for me, it was two nights in Auckland. For y'all, it was one night in Auckland. Really just yeah, pretty much working the entire time, getting the final stuff, both on the game stuff and the other channel stuff finished up. Then we picked up Toby. Picking up supplies. Oh yeah, that was a big part of it. That's another thing we did. That was a big thing. One thing you may have noticed is um, for the first time ever, we traveled with supplies for various things. There's actually kind of an interesting mix of like some challenges you're traveling with the stuff you need and other challenges you have to get the stuff. Basically like for any challenge where we were unsure if you would be able to get it, based on a very large window estimate of when you would get somewhere, we just had you travel with it because we had cars. So the, for, for the first time ever, we could pack heavy instead of having to literally carry everything in our backs. Yeah, yep. pack heavy or in Adam and Ben's case, pack kind of light because their car is too small. Speaking of cars, the the one other thing that we did was we got the cars delivered and we had to very quickly adjust to uh, driving them before we started our very long road journey down the country. I was so worried, but then immediately I was like, oh wait, this is actually fine. I thought it would be like the toughest thing to transition, but no, it ended up being fine. I I was surprised. Ben and I, we got our cars and then we went actually to the wrong store to meet you to pick up some supplies. And I was driving on the left side of the road for the first time. And I experienced the most stressful driving circumstances I've ever experienced in my life. And that would have been the most stressful if I had been driving on the right side of the road. Like Ben can back me up on this. I got to like a seven way intersection that was like inscrutable what I was supposed to do. I got sent down two different roads that were closed at the end. And I had to do like a 16 point turn to turn around. And then I got sent down a road that was indistinguishable from a sidewalk, but was apparently a road that I think was part of a detour because the roads were closed. 
I've like rarely been more stressed in my whole life. Yeah, I mean, the thing, like we were going, we were trying to get to a sporting goods store and there were like two locations, one of which was in like city center Auckland, you know, like the middle of like the busiest area of Auckland. The other one was like in some sort of suburb and it was only like highway driving to get there. And I was like, hey, this is our first time driving. Let's go to the suburb one. And then Ben and Adam accidentally just went to the to the exact one that we were trying to avoid. So that didn't end up going well. But yeah, we, we need to pick up our retelling because we haven't even left Auckland yet. <laughs> yeah, bad. so we got... Yeah. We got to Saturday. We picked up Toby. I said hi to her Nana again. And we drove north because Auckland is a good six hours of driving time from Cape Reina, you know, where we started. So we had to do that the day before. So it, it was actually pretty useful to get used to like the driving and everything. And we, you know, had time to, at least on our side, I don't know what y'all did, but we were kind of like talking through like strategy and how we would go about filming and all sorts of like stuff like that. Cause Toby was actually delayed the day before. We were expecting to have a little bit of time to do this the day before. So it was pretty useful to do some of the kind of setup preseason stuff. And then the thing about the far Northlands near Cape Reina is like, there is nothing there. And uh, there was not a whole lot of like hotel options. So our hotel was, well, it was like one of those bars that is like called a hotel because it's like the historical, like, like hotels used to basically be bars and pubs. I don't have a good explanation here, but you know, it's like the old timey thing where like they have like seven rooms in the back of a pub. That was like our best option. And it was fine. The main issue was like, they didn't have screens to the windows and they didn't have AC and it was relatively hot. So like you had to kind of open the window to cool down at all. But turned out that the issue with that is that through the night, at least in my case, I got attacked by like a bajillion bugs. And I woke up the next day to bug bites across my entire body. So you'll notice in this in this season, just a constant barrage of bug bites on all of my arms. And if I had like taken my shirt off, it would have looked like I had chicken pox. So that was that was a fun start of it. But what else did we do at the at the little hotel there? Anything else? There was a cat there. There was a cat that we ate dinner with, and that was funny. I I really liked that. There's a a photo I took of um, us eating dinner and we're all sitting there, except in Ben's chair, instead of Ben, there's just a cat and Ben is standing off to the side because while he was like in the bathroom or something, the cat took his chair and was there for the rest of the meal. It was fun. It was great. Well, I remember when we were checking in and the like old man who like ran the like bar and hotel was like, here are your keys. Here are your rooms. There is a cat that will come in here and you better not feed it. It will steal our food. And we were like, okay. And then sure enough, immediately a cat showed up and <laughs> tried to eat our food. <laughs> yeah. But then we get to Sunday and it's time for the most stressful moment of our lives. I would agree with that. I was extremely stressed. I I accidentally pulled a Brian the night before by only getting a few hours sleep just because of a lot of factors. Like I wanted to wash my hair for the start of the filming. That took a little bit. But um, I also, and wait for it, was a few hours jet lagged, even though I only yeah. came out from, from Australia. <laughs> Um, I actually couldn't like get to sleep that first night. Maybe I was so excited as well for like what was to come. But I remember that like, and um, we had to drive like two hours in the morning to even get to the starting point, the lighthouse. So I was just running on pure adrenaline in all those shots. I am not running on like sleep. Yeah, it was rough because like, I think we had to wake up at like, I think we left at like 530 or something. So like we all woke up at like five-ish and where you came from, it was like three hours behind. So like effectively you were waking up at like, 2 a.m., is that right? Yeah, yeah, I was actually jet-lagged. That's crazy. And no no spoilers, but the first day was, like, especially intense in terms of, like, density of challenges. Like, if you notice on the map, the Northland has the highest density of challenges anywhere. So, like, we had to do more challenges per hour than any other day on that first day when apparently Toby had no sleep. Yeah. It was one of the most exhausting jet lag days I've ever done. It might have been the most. I think it was definitely the most physically demanding day that I mean I've ever had. I, you'll you'll see in in the subsequent episodes that take place <laughs> that day, I really start to fall off by the end of that day. It gets bad. <laughs> the thing about this season in the vehicles is like, you know, other seasons we generally have like downtime where we can kind of rest and even sleep on like planes or trains. 
But when you're driving, you know, I, I feel like, I don't know, anyone who's taking a road trip, you know that like, even if you're sitting in the car for 12 hours, you're still like exhausted at the end of the day because you're like, you're focused on driving and all sorts of stuff like that. And you can't like genuinely, so like, there's never really a time to relax in this. So it, it was in general, like, especially, you know, the earlier days, you know, the days that were busier and more dense with challenges were brutally exhausting. Well, well, because the thing about it is just structurally is that in a car-based season, there's no time when sitting and doing nothing is the right call. Like when you're waiting for a train or a plane, there's nothing you could be doing that could help you, but you could always run to your car a little faster, you know, like there's never an advantage to doing nothing in a car season. Yeah. You never really have to wait for anything like a train or anything. Right. But yeah, then we, then we get to the start point. Uh, I think we got there like 20, well, first of all, the lighthouse was a lot further than at least I thought. I thought it was just going to be than like any a, of us thought. Yeah. I thought it was going to be like, you know, two minute walk to a lighthouse. It was like a good, like 10, 15 minute walk. And very hilly. Extremely yeah, hilly. Very hilly and like downhill when we're going there. So, I mean, of course, as everyone saw, it was completely uphill the way back. So I think we had, had less time than we expected. And we always record a few takes of kind of that start because, you know, we are literally starting this at 8 a.m. There's no fudging that or anything. So once it comes to 8 a.m., we do, you know, one final one. But, you know, just in case that one isn't perfect or anything, we have the prior ones that, you know, basically saying the same little intro line for the season just in case. But fun fact, we've actually never used the faked ones, including in this season, because I don't know, the real ones just- It's just because the, the energy is always better in the yeah. real ones. It's like, you can always tell that, well, you always do the line. You can always tell that you are more excited and nervous on the real one. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you know that it's the real one. And, and that's I'm why all... you hear Sam say, after he says the line and he runs, he goes, oh my God, this is for real. Because that was the actual take where we started. Yeah. I mean, I think I more meant that like, uh, I mean, I sort of meant that, but like, this is for real as in like, oh wow, we're actually doing this now. Because yeah. like, I mean, in this case, like the idea, I think we we landed on New Zealand like a good two and a half months before we started. And then all of that, we were working for two and a half months, all leading up to this one moment. And then it just, you're just dropped into it. It's like such a fast context yeah. shift because everything, we're still in like work mode until 8 a.m. We're still thinking about, okay, what shots do we need? What angle do we do? Okay, let's post that to Twitter. And then, and then 8 a.m., instant switch to game mode. I mean, we've said this before in different ways, but like it is a total mentality shift. And I think, you know, I don't know about y'all, but like, once you're in the game, it really like feels like the game is all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah. It's very intense. It's very all consuming. Well, and actually this is a good time to ask Toby. I mean, cause Toby hadn't played it before. What was that like for you? I mean, in terms of all of a sudden you're in it, like, was it more intense than you expected? Like yeah, it, starting it? I was actually really sort of scared at that start point of the lighthouse because I you know, I'd never played before. I was actually scared that I wouldn't be able to do it, like that I wouldn't even make it, you know, like, and I'd been saying to Sam, like the day before, as we were driving up, I was like, oh, you know, I'm really worried about having to run specifically up hills. And I'm like really worried about the lighthouse part because I know it's like on a hill. And like, oh, I was like trying to tell Sam, like I might not make it, like physically make it to the top. And the thing is, you know, you guys had been working on planning the show for like two months beforehand. And whilst I hadn't had that responsibility, I had been mentally really trying to prepare for this as much as I could. And I knew that my weakness was like running and sort of that cardio fitness, especially up hills. And I had actually been sort of training and like going for runs and trying to get fitter for the series. I actually was trying really hard, which is why I made it a few hundred meters up the hill instead of like 10 meters. So I did good, but I didn't do amazing. And I'm just glad I made it up. Well, I felt so bad because you had said you were like, I really don't like running up hills. And we were like, it'll be fine. You won't have to do that that much. And then the thing is on Google Street View, you can't view the path from the parking lot to the lighthouse. Because like, it's just not on there. And so like, we just had no way of knowing how far it was. Like if you go on Google Maps, what it says is that it's a 186 meter walk. That's what it says is the distance between the parking lot and the lighthouse. And we that were like, oh, well that's true. like, 
Maybe that's the as the crow flies. It was like windy. It was easily, easily a half a mile, probably more. And we just had no idea that was going to be the case. So I, I just feel bad that you were like, this is the thing I'm worried about. And then at the beginning, it was like, now you have to do the worst version of this thing is the first thing you have That's to do. That's right. Get the hard stuff out of the way early. I had my buddy Ben come and clutch and I, I was really lucky that him and I walked for a minute. So that helped me out. My real job on this show is to is to slow everything down so that our guests don't die. That's my secret special power. Now, I actually thought it was a good dynamic in the sense that me and Ben were pretty similar in a lot of ways. And Adam and Sam had the same high energy, run fast sort of vibe. And Ben and I were just sort of saying to each other, it's a good thing that Sam and Adam aren't on the same team because we'd have no shot. I've always <laughs> thought that that would just create a black hole. I don't know if that's true. The thing is, they, well, we've seen them be on a a team once before in season three. And the problem is that they are both so intense that they just stress each other out. Well, what happened in season three was that we would always imagine that you were doing way smarter stuff than you had actually done. And then we would play the game against that imagined smarter version of you. And then you would just do n- not those things. It's called 4D chess. Or Ben's just transcended <laughs> our level of smartness. And we're You'll never know. That. You'll never yeah. know. All right. So we've taken, what, 25 minutes to get to the beginning of the episode? Yeah. So then Adam breaks road rules for, again. Okay. The- I feel <laughs> bad about that. I didn't realize that those were one way. A little Easter egg. I cut out the part where I cut into the lane because it looks really bad. So like I, we only include the part where I'm going in the parking lot because if you show the next 10 seconds, it really doesn't look good. And I didn't want YouTube comments to yell at me. There was no one there. It's there true. was no one there. It was, it was, there was literally no one there except for that one car that followed us to the sand dunes. And I was really worried that they were going to ask what we were doing. That's always my biggest worry is people asking what we're doing. But yeah, so I would have been no- more annoyed if that actually had any consequence. But clearly it didn't because then we got to the sand dunes and we raced. And then I don't know if we have a whole lot to say about the sand dunes. I mean, it was, you basically saw that it didn't I mean, work out the, the way that we thought it did. I mean, the big thing about the sand dunes was just like... <laughs> They were so slow. And I remember there was so much discussion about, because normally you can rent boards there, but we were going to be there so early in the morning that we weren't sure if the rental place would be open. And we were right. It was it was not open that early. It opened, I think we got there at, what, like 8.30 and it didn't open until 9.30 or 10, I think, which like these are kind of ad hoc businesses. So like there was no way of knowing when it would open. I tried calling that stand before we went to find out when they opened, they wouldn't answer. So we, I had brought snowboards from New York that I ordered on Amazon because there weren't any cheap snowboards you could buy in Auckland because I had looked. And like I lugged them halfway around the world to do this thing. And then it was so slow. It would have been faster to like be on like a cardboard box. We even waxed them the night before. And yeah, but I mean... <laughs> That's that's just yeah. I mean that's inevitable with the way that we do things. Is is you know we we didn't have like a sand dune in our backyard that we could use to test these. So uh, it just came down to that, and uh, that was that. But yeah. And, I mean, nonetheless, brutal that you pulled it out. Oh yeah. Just shuffled your way down that thing. Yeah. I mean, it was anticlimactic, but uh, of course it didn't matter too much in the end because well we all know what happened next, but. I don't know foreshadow too much. But I mean, well, I guess that's pretty much the next step unless, again, the sand dunes were like, it was pretty much what you saw. It was probably for the best that you went so slow down the dunes because I was imagining in my head, like, you know, what if he like goes on and he just zooms super fast all the way down the dunes and is like, you know, high speed ejected onto the other side. I feel like there's a lot more scope for injuries or something to go wrong in that case, especially because we knew like we were probably going to fall off one of us at some point. And so seeing that it was kind of a low stakes game of sandboarding made me feel like better about it. But um, anyway, it was funny. I thought it was funny, the change in expectations. Yeah, I was looking forward to it, though. Like I've been on dunes before and have like boogie boarded down them and stuff. And it's a lot of fun. And like you can basically I do any fall and it's like totally fine, which is fun because of how soft it is, but uh, yeah, next time. So then we drive for like an hour almost. I left my jacket. Oh yeah, you left your jacket. I feel like there's gonna be a lot of blowback 
about me leaving my jacket there. I saw a lot of comments being like, why didn't you leave your jacket? It's not worth it to get it because it was summer. And I just want to say it wasn't that I needed the jacket for warmth. It's that I couldn't litter in the beautiful Topaki sand dunes. And that would have been terrible. And you were very so quick. That's, you were very quick. I feel like I, I feel like I had no choice but to go get my jacket. No, it was you, interesting yeah, to didn't. see that because yeah. Sam and I had no idea that you'd left your jacket or anything. Like we just assumed you were hot on our heels as soon as we pulled out. So it was interesting to see that in the episode. But I do remember by the time we got to the next intersection, I think y'all were about four minutes behind, if I remember correctly. Yeah. And we thought it was just us driving faster or something. As always, I don't know if we've, we have this in the show, but we were like very strict on the speed limit is the speed limit for this. But on that sort of road with like, it was like a super curvy road. You totally could have made time by like taking a corner faster than the other team or something. So we figured it was just like, we happen to drive faster, but yeah, it turned out to be this. Clearly wasn't a massive um, issue in the end because yeah, that four minutes didn't really matter at that point. But yeah, I guess, I mean, we decided to turn left. And uh, I think it was just purely down to our estimate of the challenge time and the driving time. Like there was no big nuance on it. We just thought that that route would be faster. Is that right, Toby? Yeah, actually. And and I saw some comments that was saying, like, why would you choose to go the lucky road knowing that Sam had bad luck or, or something like that? And to us, it was that, you know, Sam said he didn't want to do these high risk, high reward paths. And we didn't consider that a high risk, high reward. We considered that the obvious path because it was shorter. It seemed easier if you got lucky and it just seemed an all round better way to start the game with getting a little head start. It seemed like the obvious path. To me, the high risk, high reward is possibly going the other way, the long road, because you're relying on going longer, but for something else to go wrong to the other team. I don't know. For for me, the lucky road was the obvious one. Yeah. When I was referring to like not wanting to do the more risky plays. I, I more meant as in like game strategy yeah. rather than the routes themselves. Because like prior seasons, you know, as, as I was talking about, like myself and my teammate would generally kind of do some sort of strategy that was, again, like the underdog strategy, inherently high risk, high reward, because, you know, you might only have a 30% chance rather than a 50% chance of winning. Well, like you, you might only have a 30% chance of winning. And I can't think of a good explanation. Anyway, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like, again, like Toby said, we figured that there was no chance that Ben and Adam would fall behind because they had zero coins. So it didn't make sense for them to fall behind because if they came to us at any challenge, we would have the coins to buy one nerf bullet and pretty confidently get y'all because, you know, you had no way of defending yourself. So it didn't make sense for them to follow. So knowing that, we knew that each team would go on a different path. And again, like Toby said, it's just as risky to not take this because the other team is taking that risk and therefore mm-hmm. might go ahead. So, so you know, in context, I you know, we didn't think that it was risky, even though it is a chance-based thing, because on average, we thought it was going to be faster. Right. And I, I guess we can't reveal what happens on the rest of the route, but there are three challenges on that route, right? So you don't necessarily have to get lucky on all of them. Right. Yeah, there's there's one in particular that you want to get lucky on that comes later. Yeah. Had y'all not uh, um, like imagined the possibility of getting stuck? Like, was that when it happened? Was that like an utter like this feels like it was totally not a possibility? I mean, we talked about, you know, oh, it'd be really bad if we rolled a six. Like, I remember that. But I still figured like a six would be possible, but time consuming because I've seen I think I've probably dug holes way bigger than that depth on beaches with enough time. Right. So like, I think it was totally feasible with a big enough beach and enough time. But as you saw in this episode, like this was a very narrow beach. I think it was high tide. So it was narrower than it would, like we were unlucky both with the Mm -hmm. roll and with when we were there because it was very narrow. And so again, as as y'all saw, like it was a problem of, it was either too wet or it was too shallow. But on another beach, I think that would have been totally possible. Well, I, I remember there was a lot of, there was a lot of discussion in the design of that challenge. Originally, the maximum hole was gonna be deeper. I think yeah. originally you were, right now uh, it was, you multiplied it, by It was by 15 six. centimeters, six inches. I remember the first simulation I joined with you guys. I actually mentioned about that challenge when it was like multiplied by 20 centimeters. I was like, oh, that seems like a lot. And so we changed it to 15 centimeters, which ended up still being too much for us in our case. But it's funny that I remember making it easier, then doing the challenge and then still not being able to do it. I felt like, ah, like (laughs) I should have thought about it more. But to be honest, like 
the fact we couldn't do that challenge is because we rolled a six. Like if, if we'd rolled pretty much any other number, we would have been fine. So I think the challenge was well designed in the end. In hindsight, maybe we should have, as soon as we rolled a six, looked at the six and thought, nah, let's veto straight away and not even tried. We could have done that, but it's, it wasn't really in the spirit of it being kind of like one of the first challenges of the game. It was sort of the first chance I felt I had to prove myself in a challenge. I really wanted to do it. I didn't want to just make no effort and veto it straight away. So I'm glad yeah. we tried. Well, like this is one of the things where, to be honest, I think the camera kind of impacts the game a little bit because I really wanted to like prove to the camera that it was impossible. I didn't want any doubt. So we probably did it longer than we should have, you know, kept attempting it longer than we should have. Like Toby said, I think we both wanted to like really give it a shot and try to make it work and not have to seem like we gave up. And so related to kind of our <laughs> veto on the beach and realizing that it was not going to be viable, one person named, I believe, Huadpe asked, what is the rule on vetoing a challenge versus turning around? Instead of vetoing, could Sam and Toby have just turned around and followed Ben and Adam down the West Coast Road? Or is there a rule that once you begin a challenge, you must finish or veto it? Um, no, there's no such rule. We could have done that because, yeah, again, like you can backtrack. The only thing you can't do is, is pass through a gate if it's not unlocked. But there's no other restrictions. To be honest, I, I don't think we've thought of this as a possibility, right, Toby? I don't know if you did. Yeah, no, that, that didn't actually cross my mind. And I saw that comment. I was like, dang, maybe that would have been smart. But I've sort of thought about it. And we were at least half an hour away from Kaitaia and, and that turn off back there. So if we'd turned around and gone back, I think we would have been an hour or more or at least an hour behind Ben and Adam on the same road, which doesn't seem like a great position to be in, given that I don't think any of the challenges on that road would be expected to take more than an hour. So I, I don't know if there, it would have been possible for us to catch up doing that, but it was definitely something we might have, you know, might have should have considered. Yeah, I, I think I, yeah, I kind of agree. We're like, this early in the game, especially, it's really important to get coins and stuff you know, to get the budget to be able to make plays, especially as, you know, you'll notice later on the map, there's areas where like we're forced to converge. So areas that like we know are going to be in a similar area and therefore, you know, might have to use roadblocks or curses or nerf bullets or trackers off or anything like that to kind of to be able to build the time to do a challenge or to build more lead time or to stop the other team from catching up or anything. So I think that even if, yeah, we had thought that, I don't think I would have decided in the moment that it would have been the right move in this context. No, we were still hoping to have better luck on the next challenges and still take advantage of the fact it was a shorter path that we were on. So we wouldn't have wanted to throw that away. Yeah, I mean, I guess what the audience maybe doesn't know, but we can tease is that the next challenge after this was going to be another highly luck-based challenge. Basically, I won't tell you exactly what it is, but if we succeeded at this challenge, we get to continue going straight on this route. And the straight route on this side, the east side, was way faster than the straight route on Ben and Adam's side. So that would have been huge. Or we would go around on a 30-minute detour, which would have lost a bunch of time. So the rest of this route is going to be like highly luck-based. And therefore we thought that like, okay, we can still play our luck to try to catch up. I really liked how early we get Toby bringing her like Tobiness to the strategy, which is there's that really awesome moment where you're like, should we go down further on the beach to test it? And Toby is like, well, we can test it right here in a linear system. We can do like a representative sample at all of these different points. <laughs> and she's like, I love that so I'm, much. I'm glad that some math made it to the beach. Because to be honest, there's an earlier clip where Sam is like, do you have any strategies for how to dig a hole? And I'm thinking, oh, like, you know, I know physics. I should get this. I should come up with this really big brain strategy. But I just couldn't think of anything except to like keep digging. I was like, I don't understand enough about how to structurally make the like awesome deep hole with what we have other than just to dig. So I'm glad there was some intelligence somewhere in that. Well, another fun fact about you guys digging the hole is that I think that we show four attempts at digging the hole, four or five, I think we show. 
But you guys tried seven and we just fully cut out two of the attempts because there were so many. <laughs> yep. Like it was already a really long sequence with you guys trying five different times to dig a hole. But before the final one, which you see, there were two other ones where you guys attempted it and also failed. Just to give a sense of just how much time you spent trying to dig the hole. In the end, it was a little bit nice because we had an hour to kill and it was nearing lunchtime. So we didn't see us on camera, but we actually drove like five minutes to this delightful fish and chip spot on the water. It was like a really nice lunch and it was like perfectly enough time. And we got back there like five minutes before it ended. And yeah. Yeah, I actually was really jealous of that. I've seen the footage of that fish and chips and it looked really good. It looked it, it, really it was, good and we were really hungry. Genuinely, probably in the top five to top 10 fish and chips I've had. And I've lived in- Well, that both. place is famous that you went. That place oh, is, is like on a list. Like I was looking at like best food in the area before the season started. That place like comes up as like a place huh. to go in like the Northland area. It's like well-known. Well, yeah, I remember it having like good reviews and that's why I went there. But yeah, no, it was, it was competitive. I've been to, fun fact, the highest rated fish and chip spot in Scotland in Amstruther. And it was within spinning distance, not better. So that was delightful. I guess on y'all's side, any exciting anecdotes from your sandwich? Crushed it. You it nailed really it on the sandwich. Good. I mean, we couldn't have done a better job at that challenge, in my opinion. Absolutely killed it. Ben, anything to add? Sandwich was delicious. I'm racking my brain. There's really nothing. I think that, like, I wish we could have shown more pack and save. Pack and save is very iconic. Mm -hmm. And we went there for finding supplies for the show ahead of time. There were a lot of comments that were like, so it turned out that Vogel's is a very iconic New Zealand brand, which That's we true. weren't sure. We were at the store and we were trying to, we were like, we should make sure to buy New Zealand bread. And we couldn't figure it out and we were in a hurry. So we grabbed it and you heard us say like, I hope this is from New Zealand. And it turns out, I mean, Toby, maybe you can back this up. It turns out Vogel's is like- Yeah, it is actually iconic. Yeah. yeah. I think you guys made a good choice. After that, I was reading a- review of like a flight to New Zealand and like a great deal of that review was spent talking about how exciting it was that they served Vogel's bread on the flight to New Zealand. So we really, it was good bread. Was well, the good bread. thing about Vogel's was it was really good. Yeah. That bread rocked. You were reading a review of a flight to New Zealand after your flight to New Zealand? Now I was reading a review. Well, I guess I was reading a review of the flight that we were taking from New Zealand home to New York. Oh. I guess foreshadowing, you got a little bit bored. Foreshadowing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I get okay, that. Um, makes it. Just to be clear, this is foreshadowing. This is not game related foreshadowing. We're not foreshadowing what happens in the game. We're foreshadowing no. what happened to us after the game. Yes. Their extended appreciation time of Auckland. But that's what happens in the episode, right? I mean, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I think we should maybe answer some of these questions that we've collected from various. Like Redditors mostly, more broadly. We'll try to give some quick answers to them. You know, for example, Wacky Hair asks, how did you decide on these cars? And I saw a lot of sub-variants of this question being like, Ben and Adam, why were you in a tiny convertible? Well, the cars were quite, a lot of effort went into the cars. So Sam, I mean, you felt very strongly that we needed to have like sort of iconic cars. Like you really did not want yeah, us. Yeah, we're curating a vibe, you know? Right. And we tried really, originally we were going to both get like Land Rover Defenders, but the like the company that we would try to rent them from didn't have any uh, available for those dates. And then I, this was my job. I spent like so long, I emailed basically like every like specialty car rental place on the country of New Zealand. And like this incredible guy named Chris from New Zealand, Classic Rides New Zealand, huge shout out to him was like, yeah, I'll do it. He and his wife drove those cars to Auckland from the bottom of the North Island. And then at the end of the game, they flew to Queenstown and picked up the cars and then drove them from the South Island all the way back to the North Island so that we could have them. Yeah, they basically did the whole game in reverse. But this is a huge shout out to ClassicRides.nz. And if you are in Wairarapa or near there and you would like to, you could rent the very cars that we drove from Chris for what I imagine would be a reasonable rate. 
And actually, it'd be really great if you did that. I think we gave him the magnets. Well, that's true. We gave him the magnets. And it would actually be great if you did that, because it would prove to him that it was not a waste of his time to help us. Yes. Just to be clear, we paid them. But like... <laughs> well, no, of course yeah. we paid them. But, you know. Including for the driving no, time. We, but... we definitely paid them. No, uh, but they, they had never done anything like that. I mean, they no, normally yeah, rent out for like proms yeah. and stuff. This was a very weird yeah. thing for them to do. Yeah. But yeah, and, and I think it basically came down to these were the two cars that they had available that we liked most. And y'all thought it'd be fun to be in a convertible. I love a good classic expedition car and kind of just decided among ourselves, right? Yeah, I will say Dan was definitely too small. Ben had the backpack between his legs and the passenger seat for the whole game. I would have loved a bigger car in the end. Also, we got horrible, well, at least I did. I got horrible sunburns from driving with the roof down because even with plenty of suntan lotion, it's like middle of summer in the South Pacific and we were driving with the roof down for many, many hours a day. Yeah, I mean, you can see our sunburn. It's very bad. It gets worse. Um, And you'll see us with our shirts off later and you can really see our farmer's tan. And then I think some people are already asking the very obvious question of why do y'all have a jet lag logo and we don't? Simple explanation was a disappointment because <laughs> we were very excited when we first got the vehicle. Like, like let's put the decals on. And then we just slapped it on and then just fell right off on ours. Because I guess ours was made of like, Toby, you're the science person. What metals are... It wasn't magnetic. Yeah. yeah that, maybe it wasn't like aluminum or something. I don't know. The, it wasn't... The door wasn't magnetic like theirs was. And so it just fell straight off. Yeah. Ours is made of whatever car metal doesn't have magnetism or, or isn't magnetic or whatever science words. So that was a disappointment. But it wasn't until the like, night before we started that we found that out. So it was like all the way up until the night before, you're like, yeah, there's going to be like all these decals on the cars. It's going to be great. You want to see us coming. But um, oh, well, we didn't need it. There's something nice about the cars. It was it was rough to see that footage of you, Ben, with the backpack in your um, seat. But um, there's something nice about the cars you guys picked that I think you even said this, you wanted it to sort of reflect the perceived personality of the two teams, like the, you know, little zippy car that you guys had and the big menacing vehicle we were in. I don't know. I thought it was funny. Oh, it's definitely funny. It's just, you know, it's it's funny, but then it's also our lives for five days. Yeah. No, that was rough. We had an abundance of space, but I, I won't rub that in too much. So moving on. It's Zippy23 says, in the past, you've been very critical of car-based seasons. What inspired you to ditch that philosophy for this season? I think the answer is New Zealand, right? Yeah, I mean, they're just, there's not public transportation in New Zealand, really, that, that is notable enough for us to use. I mean, this is a huge part of planning the season was it was winter, so we needed to go to the Southern Hemisphere you know, we looked at Australia for a while. Yeah, we need to go to the Southern Hemisphere because it is very challenging to film when you have limited daylight hours. So yeah. like Northern Hemisphere winter, especially when we filmed in January, you know, if there's only eight daylight hours and we're filming for 13 hours, it's a lot of nighttime filming, which basically looks terrible on camera. Yeah. So we had to go to the Southern Hemisphere and we really wanted to do Oceania also because we have a huge fan base in Australia and New Zealand. And... We looked at Australia, we had a few ideas for games there, but none of them were quite working. And then we started looking at New Zealand and we realized like, oh, you can cover the whole country if you, you know, spend five days. Like, you know, it's a lot of driving, but you can do it. And we loved the idea of covering the entire span of a country in a season. And then it was just really a matter of like, how do we solve this problem? And I mean, basically, I mean, the entire game is born out of how do you make a car-based season interesting? Right. And we had a lot of different ideas of how to do it. And then what we landed on this game board format was it was like, you know, and Ben, you can talk about this too. What we're always trying to do is to maximize the number of decisions and interesting decisions that you're making. Right. And so by creating this board game, you're constantly making decisions about which way on it you want to go. Right. And those decisions can be at varying levels of complexity and we can design these routes so the decisions are always interesting. And that's basically how we hope that we solve the problem. I mean, originally we were working with a version of the game that was a lot more open-ended and it was basically impossible to balance. 
because unlike in a game with planes or, or trains, there were kind of infinite possibilities if you could just drive anywhere. And so our hope with this sort of board game structure was to try and like essentially turn the roads and cars into something that approximated like a train system, right? Is like there were different routes that we designated that you could take. And obviously like the timing factor of like when you could go and when you couldn't go was still not really a thing. But yeah, it was kind of just like, it was a really difficult process of trying to be like, we want to like maximize the number of interesting decisions while also keeping the game reined in enough that like it's possible to kind of balance how it'll play out. Because if we can't balance it, then like we can end up with a scenario where the game doesn't work. We don't get to the end by the number of days that we're actually physically there. Like it could get really bad. Yeah. And there's definitely always like a right level of restriction because if you have too much, then it doesn't, you know, it's not open-ended enough. The game is kind of just like a solved game, like too much restriction on routes. If you have too little, like Ben said, it's just impossible to for us to design it properly and know in advance what it's going to look like. SlyFox1908 asks, how do you book your guest stars? Are you developing game modes that are more accommodating to guests? Toby, I mean, Let's maybe let from Toby your- Let's Toby answer this. Toby, how did we book you? Well, I think that question extends to how did I get here in the first place, which I think I can talk to that, which is that I have known Sam and, and been friends with Sam for a few years now. I think we might have met at like VidCon 2018 or something. Like we, we've seen each other a few yeah. times I think over we had the years at various mutual friends events. or something. And when I was living in Australia, we met each other at like various- Yeah, we caught stuff. up a few times when when you were in Australia. Yeah, so, so Sam and I actually- know each other and we're friends and it was actually at mid last year in like June at VidCon in the US that I met Adam and Ben and I must have got along with them all well enough to to be invited as a guest but I'd also messaged Sam at some point and said like hey I I think Jetlag is is really cool it's a great show and I guess I was just um around and and Sam knew that I was from New Zealand and I lived in this part of the world and and it seemed to make sense and then he just sent me a message saying like, hey, would you want to be on a season one day? And when I got that message, I was like thinking that he had like this massive list of like people before me. So I replied and I was like, yeah, yeah, one day that would be cool. Thinking that it wouldn't happen. But then very shortly after he was like, yeah, yeah, the next season and it's in New Zealand. And I was like, oh my God, it's actually happening. I guess I better go. And um, yeah, it was really cool, really exciting. I just flew over from Australia to meet them there and it was great. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me, guys. No problem. Well, we were just thrilled that you said yeah. yes. You, I remember, watched like all of Jetlag. I guess, at, was it after you found out you were going to be a guest that you watched all of it? No, no. That was um, after. So when I met you guys at VidCon, I hadn't seen Jetlag. And so you asked me like, oh, have you guys, have you seen um, Jetlag? And I was like, oh, no. And so I felt a little bit bad. But then I actually got COVID, not from VidCon, but like a few weeks after I got back. And so I was sort of sick and had a bit of free time. And it was then that I was like, you know what, I'm going to go and and watch that show, Jetlag. And I watched all of it. So to me, there was some mental association with like watching Jetlag in bed whilst being sick. And that evolved into getting healthy and then going on the show myself, which was like a real character arc for me. Yeah, so that was funny. And I guess maybe to answer a little bit more from our side and sort of to answer the second half of the question, which is, are you developing game modes that are more accommodating to guests? What we kind of are looking for, because keep in mind, Toby's only guest number three, but we do sort of have guests four and five and maybe even six, like soft planned because we're planning guests way more in advance these days and planning locations and formats. We also actually have a pretty good understanding of the next three seasons after this, where, when, and who they're going to be with. And we do have some rhyme and reason to like fitting a guest to a season. Like in this case, you know, it was clearly like Toby was, you know, one of the most promising guests, like potential guests who came from, you know, the region that we were going to. So Toby, you were actually grew up in New Zealand and of course, you know, live in Australia now. So you were kind of from the region that we're going to, which is something that in a perfect world we would always have, but in reality might not always have is guests from the region that we're filming. 
Yeah, yeah. And I don't know if I offered much of a local advantage since the stuff we were doing was so weird. And actually, a lot of the places we went, I hadn't been to myself. So I wouldn't say it was a local advantage, but I at least spoke the language with a bit of an accent. And um, it was fun for me to go back home in a sense. Well, I think that's about it for this week's. I mean, we've covered a lot. And that was from our like short episode. We're going to have longer episodes after this. Next episode is long. a lot. It's a long episode. We, yeah, this is, we this can is, use that. Next episode is going to be around 40 minutes. Th- this is something we wanted to point out. A lot of people were disappointed by how short this first episode was. But the only reason it is as short as it was is because that was just the best like ending for an episode that we had. So the subsequent episodes, the episodes to come are all longer. Yeah, I'm so pretty sure we're going to talk episodes. faster or these podcasts are going to be like, you know, three hours long. <laughs> I don't know. If you're listening to this podcast, I feel like you want it. You don't care how long it is. It's true. It's uh, definitely one made for the super fans. And, oh, that's a great segue to thank our Nebula subscribers again. Because you're a Nebula subscriber, you know, this following Wednesday, the 8th of March is going to be when the season itself on YouTube starts with episode one. But since you're on Nebula, of course, you're going to be watching episode two, that 40 minute extravaganza. And then we'll be recording another one of these. So remember, you know, assuming you're watching these episodes on the day they come out, leave your questions. Probably best place is the Nebula subreddit. We'll go through of them. We'll try to answer as many as possible. We'll try to answer. We actually didn't get to that many today because I think we're, we're still learning how to talk fast. So hopefully we'll be better at that in future episodes and be able to cover even more. And we hope you enjoy this. Definitely let us know if you have suggestions or feedback about the podcast. We're, we're learning as we go. We're making this for you. We are super appreciative of everyone who's on Nebula. So it's like, this is for you. So let us know what you want out of this. See you next Bye. week, everyone. Bye. We'll see you next week. I'm waving. You, they can't see this is a podcast. Yeah, Bye. they'll hear us next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye.